Alrighty, welcome to See Wakanda and Die, the spoiler-free look at a post-Wakandan world. Um, I have an amazing guest on with me today for this trip. We're going to discuss Wakanda and uh, a little bit of how we've experienced this so far. How you doing, man? I'm good, brother. I'm good. Appreciate you uh, inviting me on, man. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Been biting my tongue all week. (laughs) That's what's up. All right, so this is Abron. This is uh, an amazing young man. He's on the show, so kudos to him. Thanks for coming on. Um, Spoiler-free look at Wakanda. Like, what was your first, like, after your first viewing, what was your initial thoughts? What was your takeaway from Wakanda and Black Panther? Um, I'll start with Wakanda. I was really looking forward to seeing Wakanda. I feel like when, when if people don't realize what the, the magnitude of, of this movie and, and the world building. So I'm a big sci-fi guy, you know, and I, one of the things that I look at is how well do they build that world because they have to build a world from scratch. And the one of the best examples out in cinema that a lot of people take their inspiration from has been Blade Runner. Like they built a world that you believe in and has inspired so many other movies, including this one, to be like, you know what? When we build a world, that's what we want it to look like, right? So Game of Thrones built the world. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of showrunners, when they build these show- shows, they're like, all right, how do we make this world feel authentic? And we were so used to in the Marvel Universe of seeing New York City, seeing Space Now, seeing Asgard. Right yeah. with with Thor, and it was like, all right, how are they going to build Wakanda? And that was a whole new world, introducing new technology, new cultures, new colors. Because everyone's like, oh, the the world of the DC universe is drab, you know, dark colors. You know, they don't like you know the the comparison to DC and and Marvel is you know the bright colors and the primary colors are in Marvel. But then, all right, we got to see New York. We got to see yet, yeah, all right, the red and gold from Iron Man, the the, the red and blue from Captain America patriotic great but what are we going to see in in africa with wakanda and they nailed it man i was yes, so yes. so excited with that first reveal of wakanda and like yes yes they they got the world down good 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 with that being said how are you or what camp do you fall in hey i don't even know if there is a camp for this but you mentioned other worlds in the mcu and in, in you know marvel comics in general where do you fall with the Wakanda versus Asgard versus just New York City and not necessarily what's better than the other, but just like you said, looking at Wakanda and the way it's been presented versus how Asgard for like five films has been presented. Well, I think some of those other worlds. um, Let me bring it back. So I grew up on on comics. I was never a big Avengers fan as a comic fan as a kid, nor was mm-hmm. I a big Thor fan because mm-hmm. of those environments. Like Avengers is very like clean cut, all American. Like it was kind of like the all American team. And mm-hmm. Asgard was too kind of, um, you know, it tried to be almost like a Conan, but it was too bright. It was too magical, right? Almost like a, yeah. um, like a fantasy world, almost like dun- Dungeons and Dragons almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you had um, the X-Men who were more Marvel and more grounded, right? More yeah. touching like society and, and those kind of issues. And then um, this really touched on like, all right, well, how does this look 
you know, the culture that it brings in. There were so many cultural elements that they stuck to and to make it accurate to African culture, you know, to not make it based in magic, to not make it based in just technology, to not make it based in, um, you know, the astral planes or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, just, I wouldn't even say following a rich guy, like, you know, Batman and Iron Man and other ones, because it's not that, uh, um, he's rich. It's not that he's rich. It's that he runs a kingdom. So by right, default, right, right. he's rich. You know, he's actually more wealthy because he's you know head of a kingdom. He's more wealthy mm-hmm. than Iron Man um, right, right. to an extent, and you could break that down. Um, but I was just really you know glad that they nailed um, Wakanda as as a culture and as a world. And in comparison to those other ones, it feel it felt more real because it wasn't based in yeah. fantasy. It was based here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I would agree. It's it felt more, and I was um having a conversation before about even down to the characters like say Shuri, or um again not too many. Well, speaking of the characters who we saw in the trailer, speaking of people like Shuri, like Nakia, um like Okoye, like it felt like they really existed in this world. Yes, I feel like Ryan presented a Wakanda where it existed before the movie began and it still feels as if it exists past the credits. It didn't feel like it was just a movie. It felt, dare I say, almost like a documentary. You know, so here's a perfect example in a comparison. The the comparison is really to Star Wars, right? So Star Wars is, you forget when you watch Star Wars that in the beginning of every movie, they say in in a galaxy far, far away, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So it's not meant supposed to be of this time, of this world. So they have to be very careful to not use modern jokes, pop culture Mm -hmm. references, Mm -hmm. anything that looks too earthly because the movie is not based on Earth. Nowhere near Earth. So I was trying to explain this to my mom. Like, it's like Star Wars, but it's been hidden in in our world and in Africa this whole time. So Mm -hmm. they've been watching you know us operate they they live amongst us it, it is us reflected on a big screen so they can take those liberties to reference things happening in the united states referencing things that are happening in pop culture referencing things that are happening with other marvel characters in the universe mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. watching the same movies we're watching and they're listening right. to the same music we're listening to but still feel as otherworldly as star wars absolutely and i agree with that wholeheartedly because that you kind of hit the nail on the head there um, and I think a testament to the greatness of this movie is that, and I've said it before and I'll continue saying it, it exists on its own. It is a Marvel movie. It exists in the Marvel timeline. But this movie can very much stand on its own as just a, a good movie that you don't have to have seen uh, Iron Man 1 or Thor Ragnarok or Ant-Man like you don't have to have seen those movies and you can still enjoy this movie for what it is and you know there's again (laughs) trying to stay spoiler free there are things in the movie that remind you it's a Marvel film but even if those things weren't there this would still read as just an amazing movie on its own so I think behind the scenes what they did with that even took they took it a step further by knowing and being very aware in the production of this film that there was mm-hmm. going to be a whole segment of the audience that has never seen a Marvel movie ever. Yes. And we're just mm-hmm. seeing this. So I would say 
some of the complaints, and I don't want to go into spoilers, but some of the complaints around this movie are from like the uber geeks that yeah. are very critical of Marvel movies. And they're just like, oh, well, that's been done before. And I'm like, you have to understand, this is for a whole a segment of a population, this is their first Spider-Man movie. This is their first Absolutely. Batman movie. This is their first mm-hmm. Superman movie. And he's of mm-hmm. that scale. So all yeah. of the traditional introductory things that you see happen in those movies, you're going to see happen in this movie. And mm-hmm. if you're used to it, because you're 18 movies in in the Marvel Universe, and you saw you know um, Iron Man 1, and you're like, oh, well, that's kind of similar to how they introduced Iron Man. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. people who are watching this movie have never seen Iron Man 1. So yeah. for them, they do have to kind of backtrack a little bit and be like, we're, we're getting introduced our hero for the first time. And there's just traditional, they call them tropes, like traditional tropes that you do when you introduce a hero for the first time. There's no ways around it. Right, right. It's, you know, because why, why, uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it sort of thing. So yeah. Yeah, it's their model. um, They got to stick to their formula. Absolutely. And Marvel is, though it almost seems like they took a chance with, not with this movie, because I think it was a good addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it feels as if they took a chance with the direction. When you look at all the other movies that we've had in the past, what is it, 10 years? Um, not so much things like Ragnarok, because I feel like even with that movie, though that is about a white man, you know, and the things that he's dealing with, I still feel like with that movie, uh, and I think it's Wakiki or what? Oh, what's the director's name? I think he, um, yeah, yeah, he's a man the of Australian color. dude, and right, right, and yeah, so he's Aborig- he, like, kind of Aboriginal. He is a dark skinned guy. Yeah, yeah, which is like, you know, again, kudos to him. I'm not going to pat Marvel on the back for doing something that should have been done, but yeah. they did the damn thing with getting him and getting Ryan Coogler, and then I'm thinking, what's next? Do we get an Ava DuVernay? And I'm only saying her name because she's in the public zeitgeist and people know her by name. So actually, we- she, um, they they tested her out before Ryan. That was one of the Easter mm-hmm. eggs that I found with this, is that they actually... okay. Um, interviewed her for this director role for Black Panther, um, mm-hmm. but didn't completely mesh with her vision for directing Black Panther and where she wanted to take okay. the story. Um, mm-hmm. And another non-spoiler Easter egg that I found was this was and this is this kind of blew my mind. This was the first property of Marvel Studios. So for people who don't know, Marvel didn't own any of the rights to their movie properties. It was owned by mm-hmm, Universal, mm-hmm. Sony, Fox, which is why you had all these other people making their movies. And then Marvel, the company, said, well, we can make our own movies, make our own studio, and they called it Marvel mm-hmm. Studios. And which meant they had to get back all of their properties back from everyone else who owned the licenses to make superhero movies, um, which is why it was such a big deal that you know this Fox deal is on the table to get it back from Fox. So Black Panther was the first property they got back back in 2005 so they've had it for 13 years they've been sitting on the idea of making this movie first before any other spider-man before Mm -hmm. anybody else Mm -hmm. and and it take that how you will but that makes me not not feel warm inside but it, it it elevates black panther to a higher level for me only because you could have came out the gate with him. Now the executives might've been like, you know, a black man, a black film, a film about this black man won't sell. And that could very well have been their reasons for not 
beginning with him. But the care that went into this movie, you said 2005? The timing. Yeah, and that's the thing, because I'm getting at Ryan Coogler is 30, So is that three years and, before Iron Man? Yeah. And so 2005, if he's 30, that means he would have just got out of high school in like 2004. Yeah. He would have been approximately 18 or 19 in 2005. So it's like, like you said, timing. When you... Again, their reasons for not going with Black Panther may have been nefarious or, you know, wrong yeah. in the eyes of some people. But the fact that we were able to wait this long and cinematography and green screen and CGI has caught up to where this is a perfect time to release a yeah. movie like this. We don't have the 2008 graphics. We have nope. the 2018 graphics. So it, that's it just it's and I'll take it even further back. Mm -hmm. 98, 99. I think was around the time with Blade. Wesley Snipes took this to studios mm -hmm. before he took Blade. He was like, yeah. "Yo, I want to mm -hmm. be this. I want to be Black Panther." And no one, yeah. no one bought it. No one bit on 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 him doing Black Panther. So he what? went with Blade. So we would have had so we could have had this movie in the nineties. Yeah, and and then and then. Think of how if we had had that in, because Blade was a damn good movie. Yeah. And I remember watching that movie with my mom. I think I may have been too young for some of the shit in it. But I remember watching it with my mom and with my cousins and talking about it and it being a big deal. So if Wakanda had been introduced way back then, even if it would have had those 98 graphics and, and whatever else, just think you're coming off the wave of like the nostalgic 90s where everything on TV was black. All the movies were black. You had like you had all this black. Yeah, you know, we, we might knock the graphics, but that soundtrack would have had Black Star. That soundtrack would have had, had Brez. Yes. That soundtrack yes. would have had who knows? Jay Hell, in that era. Angela Bassett Pun, probably like, would have been Nakia in that movie, you know, yeah, just because of yeah. the time frame. Like, it's man, it's just it's it's amazing to look at where we are now, and then getting the little bit of history, like you said, the Easter eggs you part of, like you know Wesley Snipes wanting to uh, bring Black Panther to fruition before Blade, and yeah. it's it's just man, this has been an amazing experience watching this movie. Be you seen it one time or five times, just being able to go in and see a film about black people that was just black as hell, and you know, and I so I made a point to to go mm -hmm. through that experience. What was that experience for you to go see it? Were, were people um, did people go all out at the theater you went to? Well, what did you see? The, where I am, my my area is in it's it's a mixed area. Yeah. Um, but the space, because I went to a theater that was located in a shopping mall. Yeah. And because uh, it's like right around the corner from my house. And so um, when I went, I got there and there were a lot of kids. There were a lot of older people. There were different races. So I didn't get the um, the whole cosplay slash appreciation for, you know, African culture. Oh I didn't get all of that, the festivities and that, but just within watching and sharing this experience with all these strangers, yeah. I got more of an emotional as opposed to it like a visual um experience with seeing the different costumes and outfits and garb and stuff yeah. like that. So they so go all out. I went and saw this in Harlem and they went mm -hmm. all out. But before I go into that, I'm curious 
you saw it in a mixed in a mixed audience. I saw it in pretty yeah. much an all black audience with maybe like one or uh-huh. two white people. What was that? Okay. What were the reactions of of that mixed audience? How were they? How do you feel like they they received the movie? Um, you know, it was good. It was it was. I'm not gonna say all positive because you can't read anyone's yeah. mind. But the perception that I got was just amazing. Like there were, um, I told a story about my very first viewing where there were three guys. I want to say they were Latino and they were very light skinned. One of them looked white and, um, they came to me and asked me to move my seat to switch with their friend. And I was like, nah, fucking I ain't doing that. Then, you know, I was like, okay, well y'all came together, yeah. you know, we can switch. And so even seeing them after the film, they were pumped and they, may have been like mid-20s. I'd say 22, 25 at the oldest. And they were pumped about it. I sat next to this guy, racially ambiguous, at least in the dark. <laughs> I don't know what. But all through the film, me, him, and then his lady friend were like, it's like the three of us came together. It yeah, was yeah. a very... There's been a, it's up. been a long time since I went to a movie and felt that way in a theater. Yeah. You know, because you'll watch a suspenseful movie and it's like everybody might jump or laugh or whatever. But I honestly felt like, though I didn't know these people, we were all on like the same page with this film. Even the people who were white in the film where certain things may have popped up that, you know, might have twisted their face up. I feel like everybody took it in good fun and it was just a community <laughs> experience. Yeah, yeah. Yo, my man. So I live, I live out in uh, in Jersey. I live uh, down by the beach, down the Jersey Shore, and uh, I grew up in New York City. I grew up downtown, but um, and I went to college at uh, St. John's out in Queens. You know, I, mm-hmm. all, all of my college time I spent in New York, uh, Columbia, NYU, um, okay, okay, and, and St. John's. Uh, but I'm really tight with my alumni group out at St. John's, and I'm really you know tight with my people out there. And I I was part of a of a black student union, they call it Haraya, and it was the Pan African Students Coalition. So, okay. you know, accepted everyone from Pan African cultures, and you know, they had planned an alumni event to go see it in Harlem, and I had already to go plan to go see it in Harlem. I already bought my tickets to go see it at the Magic mm-hmm. Johnson Theater on uh, <laughs> Frederick Douglass and 125th, 124th Street, because I knew this movie I had to see with. My people and get that full experience. You know, I could have yeah. gone and seen it in IMAX right here at the mall, but I knew mm-hmm. it would have been a different experience because I live in a college town. There's a lot of kids out yeah. here. You know, it would have been just a, a different experience. So I got there and I got exactly what I was looking for. I soon okay. as I walk into the lobby, dude, I was already on the street looking for an African medallion to wear with my outfit. Okay. I couldn't find one because it was cold as shit that day. And I walk into the lobby. Sure enough, ladies selling beads, African beads, African medallions, <laughs> right there in the theater lobby. Uh, the theater lobby, right up. there. Ten dollars. I got my Black Fist um, medallion. Right next to her, you got your man set up. Being uh, there was a, a video crew uh, interviewing the real Black Panther Party. They, oh, okay. the actual Black Panther Party was. In front of the box, the ticket windows of the box office. So you had to kind of walk around the Black Panther Party as you were trying to buy your tickets to go see wow. the movie. And no one was telling them to move. The, the yeah. ushers, the, the theater staff, no one was telling them to move because they knew that, you know, you would not be going to see this movie, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, their movement, you know. And they were standing mm-hmm. there with literature 
on the current political prisoners from the Black Panther Party who were still locked up. Yeah, and they yeah. were making sure that you were not going to see this movie if you didn't have prior understanding of the history of the actual Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that was your introduction to getting into the theater, right? <laughs> so then you mm-hmm. get upstairs, right? And it's just it's it's an amazing theater, you know, it, um, to the African American culture because you you see all these murals, you see you know black and white photos of the history of black cinema and black actors, you know, dating all the way back. And it's like as you walk down the halls, it, it progressively progressively goes to towards modern times with pictures yeah. of like you know folks like Will Smith and, and everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's you know obviously pictures like Sidney Poitier and, and going back. Um, so then you got African drummers up there. You got um, a, a throne with a setup with a backdrop where everyone's taking pictures. Everyone's decked mm-hmm. out in coming to America gear. You know dashikis, yeah. kente cloth, like. You know, got the face paint all out. You got people with berets on, obviously. Yeah. And you know what I thought was interesting? The So I'm Puerto Rican. There was dudes there with the burgundy uh, berets. So the burgundy berets uh-huh. was the Young Lords, which is like the, the Latino and, and Puerto Rican version of the Black Panthers who started okay, their movement okay. around that same time. They yeah, even yeah. came out mm. um, wearing their berets. And, uh, you know, just seeing everyone come together. But throughout the entire movie, you had clapping, you had hooting and hollering, you had, yep, that's right, almost like you were in a <laughs> in a sermon, like a church sermon. And yeah. I knew that they would pick up on lines and pick up on cues that another audience would not pick up on. Like, there were lines that weren't even okay. punch lines. They were just like... Right, right, right. Kind of like winks to social commentary or to societal issues. That right, they were right, like, right. you heard all the, mm-hmm, yep, I get, and just clapping and just standing up on a simple one line, <laughs> a simple sentence, yeah. you know? And, and I think Ryan knew that he was going to get that, you know, and I think he made it intentional to get those lines in there. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. And that's another thing where I always push for representation in comics and related media because you you get things like that where even if some of that went over your head, I'm just like, okay, a little white boy might have went to that theater, heard those reactions to that line, didn't know what the hell that was, but then that's um, a moment where there can be some sort of, um, and I'm not a whole, <laughs> everyone hold hands, peace around the world type of person, but that is um, room for dialogue. It's okay to see a film or to um, take in a property that does not always center you and your people and this is you know for everybody and so there's not many times that we get films that do that for us being people of color especially on a national stage like that like this movie is a marvel movie there's weight to it just being a marvel movie so for you to get all those winks and nods slipped into a marvel movie that for 10 years has been kind of black and white cut and dry like that's that's dope yeah man (laughs) yeah and I feel like, so I think we should get into spoilers now, but I feel like just to to leave it off, I think you're right. And I think a lot of the momentum leading into this movie, because we've had, you know, big blockbuster um, movies uh, for our culture. But when you know it's a Marvel movie, you know, yeah. nine times out of 10, it's going to be a win. So it allowed you to kind of like trust that I can go all out being proud, like promoting this movie showing mm-hmm. and flaunting that I'm going to come out for this movie because you know that when you show up, it's not going to be a bust. 
And you don't right, always right, right. have that confidence when you go into a movie you're excited about. Sometimes you're like, even a Star Wars movie, you could go in like, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to cosplay out. I'm going to go dress up. But there's a 50-50 chance that this movie is going to be whack when I leave. Right, so, right, right, right. You know when it's a Marvel movie that they don't fail. I mean, they, have a, they haven't had a loss on none of their 18 movies. And, and they, yeah. don't, they don't get less than 50%. On Rotten Tomato, they don't get less than like 60, 70% on most of the yeah, yeah. you know? Right, and right, this right. one, you knew that going in, it was going to be in the 90s, you know, mm-hmm. for, uh, mm-hmm. on the Rotten Tomato scale. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so you went in confident that you knew you were going to win that chip from a movie perspective. Right, 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 right. God damn. Okay, well, um, thank you all for listening to this spoiler-free version or session of... See Wakanda and Die. Make sure you check the feed for the spoiler field fantasticness that is uh, Road to Wakanda. Our-